Welcome back to After Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy. We're going to be talking to Platinum Mike Perry. He's one of the most vicious knockout artists in modern day UFC. And you know we had to catch up with him on Half the Battle. And then we're joined by longtime friend of the show, James the Texecutioner Vic. He's 7-1 in the UFC. He's looking to take on a top 15 guy next. And you guys got to hear what he had to say. And last but not least, Diego Bautista. He's a top flyweight prospect. He's only 22 years old. The first time I saw this kid fight, I said, this is the Robert Whitaker of the flyweight division. And you know I got to let you guys know about these up-and-coming prospects, so definitely stick around for that. But first up, Mike Perry, here we go. Joining me now is Platinum Mike Perry. Mike, welcome to Half the Battle. Yo, we in the building. Indeed. So, dude, I got to know, when did you first realize you had that kind of knockout power? Um, oh, man. That's, I don't know. Since, since, uh, since second grade, bro, when I decided to join, to, to want to be in the UFC. Oh, yeah. It was second grade. Was that when you, uh, when you knew you wanted to be a pro fighter? Yeah. Yeah, that is. Uh, since a little kid, I knew what I wanted to do. Did you, like, watch some fights back then, or did you get into a fight? Like, what led you to that decision? Uh, yeah, I've seen fights on on TV and stuff, and then also uh, I did, I did like, some, some backyard fights as a little kid. I don't know if I started doing that in second grade, per se, but, like, I was real young when me and my friends used to uh, throw boxing gloves on and, and fight in the backyard and stuff. So, dude, look, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, and we only get a UFC once every other year. So in order for me to go to live UFCs, I got to go to Nashville, right? So I go to Nashville, and I was at your fight against Jake. And, you know, I've been watching fights for years, man. I've seen thousands upon thousands of fights. That was one of the most brutal knockouts I've ever seen in my life. Now, you know, when it happened, I'm celebrating, you know, because, you know, we cashed an easy bet. Thank you very much. But after that, it got kind of scary, man. You know, it's time for Bruce, uh, for Bruce Buffer to announce you the winner, and Jake's still out cold. You know, how did you feel about that knockout? I mean, uh, I felt, uh, to me, bro, it's normal, to be honest with you. I've been knocking people out like this. I've been I've been doing great things uh, like that for my career since I started trying to fight. I've always done really uh, really crazy things that people thought were awesome, but now with the UFC, the cameras really get it out there for the world to see, and just more people are seeing what I've been doing. I've been doing this. I've been blessed with this ability, and this, like you said, you know, when did I find out that I had that knockout power? It's just something that I was born with. I'm strong as hell. I remember being a young kid doing lots of push-ups and sit-ups in my bedroom and stuff, or like if I was grounded and stuff, that's what I did. I did push-ups and shit in my room all day, like I was in jail or something. Uh, say it, man. I was just born for this. Now, dude, you're a very exciting fighter. Do you get the vibe that the bosses really appreciate and respect your fighting style? Um, I mean, I hope so, but uh, at the end of the day, all I'm going to do is win, and then as long as I keep winning, you can't really hate that, can you? Indeed. This is true, man. So back to the Ellenberger fight, you know, because everyone remembers the elbow, but I remember you dropped him prior to the elbow. Now, on that first knockdown, is that when you started to know, hey, man, this fight's mine? Yeah. Uh, once I smell that blood, man, I'm pretty I'm pretty savage. Uh, uh, I think, um, what's his name, Brian Sand even said that right before – he was like, oh, he's going hunting now. Once this kid hurts you, man, he smells it. And then just something changes because I'm definitely down to, to get hit, to give a hit. I was just watching my fights today on UFC Fight Pass, the Danny Roberts fight. Man, what an awesome fight that was. That totally should have been fight of the night. And, uh, and you know, it's just, I don't know, you can't you can't hurt me when I'm, I'm determined like that. Once I hit him with that left hook, I was like, I can – he could hit me with a, a truck right now and I'd still find a way to get him. And, uh, I mean, it's easy to say that when it goes the way it always goes for me, I always get that knockout. No one's ever really, uh, taken that shot and kept coming. It, uh, I mean, Joe Ban, I was watching the Joe Ban fight. He took a couple shots, but I didn't hit him with the shots that I could have hit him with. Um, but that's okay. We'll see if he wins this next fight and me and the, uh, but in the future yeah i mean we're gonna talk about both those fights in just a second man but 
you know, staying on this Ellenberger fight, man, that first round, I mean, you know, you, you look great in all your fights, but that was the smartest Mike Perry that I've ever seen. Was that a result of the Drew Ban fight? Did you take a lot of lessons from that and apply that in the Ellenberger fight? Yeah, I'd have to say so. Uh, each next fight or the, the last previous fight definitely teaches you a lot for your next fight. Um, the next one's always the best one, and it's always the toughest test in your, your career, but um, I did learn a lot from from that fight, and was such I mean, a couple of world class kickboxers were in there teaching each other a couple of lessons, you know. And I'm sure he learned some things from me too, even though he won. But uh, I mean, the Ellenberger fight I watched the first round, and it was I guess you say smart, but it was it wasn't enough for me because um, I didn't like it. I watched that first round and it was, I don't know, it was too much setting up and it should have been more go for goal, you know, go and get his ass. And, um, but Hey, it worked out in the second round, you know, so I can't be upset with myself. But, uh, recently, you know, Kobe Bryant was telling us that even on the fights that you win, or even in the games that you win, look at the things that you did wrong there. So, I mean, I looked at the, I, I compared Danny Roberts and Jake Ellenberger fight. And the way that I pressed forward in that Danny Roberts fight in the first round, it was like the pressure that I put on that guy in the first round was was world class. And that's why I realized that, you know, damn, I'm in the UFC because of my ability to do that. And I didn't do that against Jake. I figured, you know, I thought, you know, me uh, as a better boxer would figure him out and I'd hit him with that first shot earlier but it didn't happen because, I mean, Jake, if you look at his stats through UFC websites and things like that, his defense is really, uh, really good. It's like 86% because he, he moves, he doesn't get into unnecessary conflict, and he tries to be smart. And um, I didn't like how smart I tried to be in the first round, so I need to, I need to find that balance there with that platinum pressure that I put and also being smart as well. Man, that's really interesting that you say that. And the reason I bring that up, man, is because, you know, we know, you know, we've watched all of Jake Ellenberger's fights. You know that this guy is very dangerous for the first three or four minutes of the first round, but historically he kind of fades. So that's why I thought it was smart on your part. But obviously you're not satisfied with that. Nah, man, because it's, uh, I come to fight, you know what I mean? And and there, I, I seen that first round as like, me I was kind of boring for me I was like oh man I hope other people didn't think this was boring and that I was trying to figure out another professional fighter you know but um I'm, I'm working on things you know and I'll be able to move forward and put pressure and, and still figure people out without taking damage and you know and applying damage as well so the Danny Hot Chocolate Roberts fight man you know we learned a lot about you in that fight. Now, you know, could you feel hot chocolate breaking? And the reason I ask that is because he would hit you with his hardest shots and you would keep walking forward, but whenever you would hit him, he would get rocked, especially at the very ends of the rounds. Well, I have to say uh, a big thing about Danny was his game pace, man. He put on a hell of a game pace the whole fight. I didn't think he was breaking. I I wasn't sure if it was about to end. I, I didn't know if we were going to decision and, you know, if he was going to make it there or not. And he came to fight and all this. And I just, I was having so much fun in that fight. And it was, it was the best fight I'd ever been in before, uh, as far as up to that point in my career. And, like I said, man, he had a hell of a game face on. And I never, in this level, I don't think guys really break, man. Guys don't break here in the UFC. Um, most of the time they don't. But I just, I know that the one thing that's always going to break people that I have is when I hit you with a clean one, it's probably going to be it. Yeah, now, obviously, when you go back and watch that fight, I'm sure you've noticed that you basically knocked him out three separate times in the fight at the end of all three rounds, but live in person, did you know that? Um, Yeah, my corner was like, man, that was good, way to finish a round, stuff like that, but 
Um, I guess I, I watched it a couple of times, so maybe I feel that way. Because I watched it, I'm like, damn, I almost had him at the end of both of those rounds. And then, um, but that's how I train. You know, we got, I think before that fight, uh, the way I trained was, we have this boxing bell in my gym, and it at two and a half minutes, it, it rings. And I would do two rounds straight, so I'd be doing a six-minute round on the bag. And at the end of each of those rounds, that bell goes off at 30 seconds left. And when that bell goes off, I was going harder. So in my mind, my body kind of learned. Uh, it was like muscle memory that at four and a half minutes, go hard, you know, and and put yourself in danger even or if you have to, even to land a shot, you know, so, and then I wouldn't get hit and I'd, I'd be the one finishing the round strong. I did notice that I really turned it up in the last 30 seconds of all three rounds. Now your UFC debut, you go in there against Hyung Yu Lim. I mean, this is a guy that went five rounds with Tarek Safadine. Neil Magny had to go through some serious shit before he was able to get the win. And you just went out there and starched him quick. I mean, did you expect to do that? Yeah, man. Uh, I knew that when I was going to do that. I promise. I was like, this is do or die for me. I, I've i been waiting for this shit my whole life. I love fighting tall people. I swear, I really, really do love fighting tall people. Because if I move my head to the side once or twice and I put my head in your chest, I can hit you so hard and you can't hit me at all. And, like, I don't know, man. I just knew that I was going to do that to him and... He didn't know about me at all, so it was that one. That one was like given. Man, do you feel like you kind of scared him a bit at the weigh-ins? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. That's another thing about guys in this level. Um, well, no, I wouldn't say that. I was gonna say that I don't think guys at this level get scared, but that's not true because the nerves before this fight and the more anticipation there is for the fight. Like my fight really, the anticipation really grows. I try to grow it. My opponents have been doing well at trying to grow it. And we try to blow ourselves up in, in social media and for the crowd to really get involved in the fight. A lot of trash talk and things like that. And speaking of which Alan Joban, I, I think that he was terrified that week. Or, or the day of the fight, I felt like I looked at him before the fight, and he would not look at me. He would not look at me. But all week long, I said a scared fighter is a dangerous fighter, especially one that's talented and has abilities and to, to stick and move like that. And I said it all week long. A scared fighter is a dangerous fighter, and I'm going to have my hands full. And, and I did, but it went to decision, and... You know, who knows? Maybe we'll headline a card and they'll give me two more ten, two more five minutes, an extra ten minutes to uh, get on his ass. So, I don't know, man. We're working. I mean, I say this every episode of the show, man. Every fighter has to take that first loss. It doesn't matter who you are, you know, because a lot of fighters, they come back better after that first loss. I mean, look. Anderson Silva, BJ Penn, George St. Pierre, Frankie Edgar, all these legends yeah, have but all you had got, to take defeats. You got... You got Justin Gaethje, you got uh, Nurmagomedov, you got Floyd Mayweather. True. And then there's some other undefeated guys, too. You got uh, Ben Askren. You got, you know, I mean, those guys, I, I said, uh, as far as two MMA fighters, I said two wrestlers. Uh, Justin Gaethje is kind of all over the place, and we'll see how he does in the UFC. And because uh, he hasn't had a UFC fight yet, but he's about to have one. And, and, um, um, but I mean, and Mayweather, you know, just stick and move, but I, none of those guys that I just talked about fight how I fight. So for me to take that L, it was hard because I wanted to be Floyd Mayweather, but I don't fight nothing like Floyd Mayweather. You feel me? <laughs> yeah. I wanted to be undefeated, but I'll take 10 decision losses. That's fine with me. A decision means you made it to the end of time and I, I didn't do enough to beat you, uh, decisively, but when it, when that time don't run out, that's my that's my game. I finish people before that time runs out. I move forward. I get hit. I hit you back. The crowd loves it. I love it. It don't bother me none. And you know, we we still learning. We still growing. So I'm working on getting hit less. Anyways, 
Definitely. Now, this is a question I only ask the born fighters, because as you know, not everyone's a born fighter, but you're a born fighter. I asked this to Jason the Kid Knight. I would ask this to Chris Lytle. What would you do if you weren't a fighter, Mike? I'd <laughs> uh, be Scarface. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, what's next for you, man? I mean, I heard you want to fight Tiago Alves. Sounds like a great matchup to me. Oh, yeah, man. I'd love that fight for sure. I mean, grew up watching the dude. Um, probably probably did a lot of my Muay Thai techniques based off of how he does his. And um, I probably learned a lot from him. But, um, you know, guys... A lot of guys that I grew up watching, I don't think ever jumped into this game head first like I did and really, really tried to run for it. You know what I mean? You only got so long to do this shit. And guys come in here and they try to, like, uh, dilly-dally and take their time. But this is a race. This is a race against time. And if you're strong now, you don't know when you won't be strong. To be honest with you, Listen, I never go to the doctors, and I'm in the car right now, and I'm about to go into a doctor's office because the other day I was I woke up so sick, and I didn't know what was going on, and it took hours and hours and hours of me being sick and feeling in pain, pains in my stomach. I didn't know what the hell was going on, and God really shows me stuff all the time. You know, I'm a believer in God, and what happened was, we finally decided to go to the hospital. My girlfriend made me go. And uh, there's like a coin or a piece of metal in my stomach. What? And it's going through my intestines right now, and it's painful as fuck. And, like, I never thought. But I had to go to the hospital without health insurance, and now I'm going to have to pay this damn bill. Thank God I won knock out of the night bonus. And uh, I'm going to pay this bill, and I'm also getting health insurance, so if this shit ever happens again, I didn't think I'd be going to the hospital anytime soon, but I also didn't think I'd have a coin or a piece of metal in my stomach. I don't remember eating this shit. But you never really know, man, where this shit's going to go. So you gotta, you got to run balls to the wall. Uh, what do they say about horns of the bull or some shit? I don't grab know. Grab the bull by the horns. Grab the bull by the horns, baby, and fucking go for it. Because that's what I'm doing, bro. I'm going to run full speed until I run into a brick wall. And we'll see who survives, me or that wall. I think I'm going right through that wall. And I'm going to take that championship belt. And I'm going to take over the fucking UFC. And I'm going to change the game forever. Yes, sir. Now, real quick, man, since you brought this up, are you all good? Um, we about to go find out. I'm about to go see a GI specialist, which is like a, a gastroenterologist, and he's going to take a look and see what the hell is is in my stomach and see if we can get it out or if it'll pass through. And uh, we'll see, man. But, you know, I'm my biggest enemy. Shit, my whatever's inside of me right now, I'm hurting myself more than any of my opponents ever hurt me, so... You know, it's just, it's a battle with myself that I got to stop fighting myself. I got to become my teammate and I got to do things smarter, better. And, uh, like I said, man, just got to grow and keep learning. I'm 25 years old. I've been doing this shit right so far, but I'm going to do it even better. It's just going to get so much better, man. Wait for my next fight. It's going to be so fun. It's going to be so good. I cannot fucking wait. They're making me wait so long, bro. <laughs> After that big knockout, and I'm like, come on, let's go. I'm ready to kill somebody else. Let's go. They, I don't think anybody wants it. I think that's what it is. Tiago wants it. But then I heard that sometimes a location is harder to find than an opponent. So Now, let me ask you something, man. Can we ever expect Platinum Perry to submit someone, or do you just love to knock a motherfucker out? Um, I did say that if I fight Tiago Alves, that I think that our Muay Thai will clash and, uh, that, uh, mine will prevail and he will start going for takedowns. And if I don't stuff them, if he does get them, uh, he could be my first submission victory. I am really sneaky on the ground. I am tricky and I am very strong. So if I grab one of your limbs, I will try to rip that motherfucker off. And I'm pretty strong, so it's it's possible you will see a submission victory from me. 
So if I had always a, finishing though. If I had to bet money on it, Platinum Perry will have a submission victory before it's all said and done. Yeah. So, dude, tell me about your mindset, man, because you're actually a lot more positive than most. And what I mean by that is I see all these guys complaining. I've never seen you complain before. What is there to complain about, man? Life is great. It's a beautiful day outside. The sun is shining. The birds are chirping. Dogs are barking. Bitches are twerking. <laughs> Whoa. And, uh, man, we just out here, man. We making money for punching people in the face, telling the world, uh, in two minutes in that mic time, what we think about the world and how we think in the world and, and they either hate it or love it. And, and so far my shit's been blowing up. So I'm happy that the world can see eye to eye with me and they enjoy and my entertainment. Yeah. Keep it up, man. Now, dude, what did you learn at that athlete retreat? Because like I said, you know, back to the mindset talk. A lot of these guys take that for granted, but it seemed to me like you learned a lot. Yeah, I did. Uh, I mean, spoke to some world-class athletes, which, um, you know, the, the champion of the world was out there too. It's really cool to me every time I have a normal conversation with that guy because, I mean, I don't know. I can't even explain it. It's just it's the champion of the world, and I'm in his weight class. And I'm trying to take his belt one day, and it's just, it's so cool, man. I feel like, I feel like I've met a new age Muhammad Ali, or I am a new age Muhammad Ali, or, or we're just, we're just out here making history. And a hundred years down the road, some kid's gonna have a dream, and he's gonna be looking at videos of me, and he's gonna be like, man, that guy was the greatest. Everybody calls me the GOAT now. Well, a bunch of people. Not everybody, but it's cool. A bunch of people call me the GOAT. Man, you know, Tyron Woodley, speaking of him, he's got a lot of respect for you. I'm sure you've heard the things he's had to say. When you visualize your career, how far away he do you just, think you are from He's that humble. Fight? He's just humble, man. He respects everybody, you know, if, uh, as long as you stay in line. He's a dangerous cat. Don't let him fool you. Uh, but... Uh, that fight isn't far. That fight's not far down the road. And, um, you know, we'll see, we'll see where it goes. I'm going to, I'm going to get my next fight. I'm going to win that fight. And then I'm going to get the fight after that. And I'm going to win that fight. And then we'll see what I am and what's going on. And I'm, I'm looking forward to other than fighting other opportunities in my life too, that fighting is bringing to me. And that, Back to your question about the UFC retreat, what I learned, that was a big thing that we talked about the UFC and our prize fighting being a platform to upstage our life in other ways and show the world other things that we can do. And before I let you go, man, give me a fight prediction on this one real quick. Yoel Romero's fighting Robert Whitaker. I mean, isn't that just an incredible matchup? It, it really is, you know, and the cool thing is that Whitaker kind of... Um, he's really strived on a couple of last minute opportunities for himself. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, he's gotten a couple last minute calls or, or took a fight that, you know, uh, on short notice that people didn't expect him to win or he's been the underdog. And, uh, man, he's really, um, really shown what he can do. But Yoel is so wise so grown up in the head, but so young in the body and spirit, so powerful and savage. I'm, I'm really interested to see, but I, I think, listen, as far as Yoel with his age and all that, I think one day he will be champion. And in order for him to be champion right now, he cannot be stopped. So I don't see him being stopped by anyone until he becomes champion man i cannot wait for that mike thanks so much for taking the time to speak with me right here right now on half the battle man let the audience know where they can follow you on social media anything else you want to tell the fans go ahead hey uh shout out to half the battle for having me uh follow me at platinum perry on twitter and platinum mike perry on instagram and uh keep up keep up with us in the ufc and look 
look for my next fight. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait till they call me and tell me that it's time to go to war, baby. That's what I do. Uh, shout out to everybody listening, and everybody stay blessed. Peace. Joining me now is the executioner James Vick. James, welcome back to After Battle, man. What's up, man? Glad to be back. Always happy to come on the show. Man, it's good to have you on. Let's talk about this finish you just had over Polo Reyes real quick because, man, it was a very advanced combo you had on him. You know, you, you threw the body shot, you let him throw his overhand, then you did a 3-2. Now, after that 3-2, I'm kind of wondering here, man, did you kind of fake him out with the left where you cracked him with that cross? Like, it was kind of an offbeat, you know, odd rhythm kind of thing. Well, not not really. Um, basically, I just I tried to, after I threw, I stepped off and threw that that it was like almost like a it's like a hybrid of a hook and a jab that I, I always throw when I land, and um, uh, I threw it and I was trying to land the first cross and then he, he what the 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 hook actually moved his head where I just didn't land the first one so then I just just doubled it up and and landed it. So, I mean, basically, when you're doing that combo, you you knew for a fact that he was going to throw that overhand right, and that's when you're supposed to, you know, move your head off the center line? Is that something that you've been practicing? Was that just natural instinct or what? Um, That's something that it's, uh, it's funny. I've never really necessarily worked on that a lot, but I always land that in sparring. Like, I always land that in sparring. When I throw jabs, everyone tries to counter me with overhands. Um, but, you know, it's pretty common. You know, I'm a tall guy, and everyone tries to counter me with overhands, so... A lot of times I'll either faint the jab or I'll go to the body with it. Or even I'll just go to the head with it sometimes and they'll still they'll still bite on that jab. You know, they'll they'll fall for that jab and then they'll they'll chunk their overhand. And I knew it was coming. That's pretty much all he was throwing was overhands and left hooks, just wild winging shots. And I knew when I got in there with him I could feel immediately like honestly his speed just wasn't he I could feel the power on his punches that he that he, had, he was a heavy handed guy. But he just didn't have, you know, the greatest speed. I could tell he was kind of slow, and I knew that I was about to catch him with something flush. I could just feel it, you know, I would have hit him with something very flush. That's why I kind of set my feet down, and, you know, um, I, honestly, I don't have a lot of knockouts in my fights. It's really on my second knockout of my uh, my pro career. I mean, I have some of the amateurs and stuff like that, but uh, it's because I don't set my feet. I move my feet, and I don't take a lot of shots. But with him, I knew, you know, I, I decided to set down on some stuff because I knew I, I felt – you know, my speed advantage is way above his. And, I mean, another reason is you also rock people and then they end up shooting and you catch them with chokes. So you, you could attribute it to that as well. But let me ask you this, man. You found an opening for that body kick right away. Was that something you noticed in the tape or was that just heat of the moment? Um, I, Yeah, I study all my guys. You know, I study, I study all, all the guys I'm going to fight. And, I felt, like, I, honest to God, I felt like he was just a target for me. I felt like um, I fought 20 guys just like him in amateur boxing, you know, a flat-footed, power-punching Mexican boxer. I started off as a boxer in Texas. I fought 20 guys just like him, and I've always did very well with that style. And I knew that he was pretty much tailor-made for my style, and I felt like I could hit him with kicks, punches, anything that I really wanted to. Man, and he's a guy that, you know, obviously I know since you watched the tape, you saw his unbelievable war with uh, with Kim and he's a dude that's been pretty durable, and man, you put him away right away. Was that surprising? Um, no, not, not really. Um, I, I knew I was going to catch him with something flush and finish him, especially after that first 20 seconds when I felt him swinging. I, I could tell how slow he was compared to me, but I just didn't expect it to be the first time, I, the first real combo I threw. But, um, I mean, I, I, like you said, you know, I, I don't have a lot of knockouts. One thing, I, I kind of set my feet and I move a lot sometimes, and I don't, you know, necessarily take unnecessary risk. But also, every time I hurt these guys, they, they, um, they start shooting in. I mean, I pretty much everybody I've ever touched with my right hand in sparring or, or in fights, I've hurt them. Yeah, straight up. So, dude, you know, it's funny because I heard you say that this is the lowest ranked opponent you've ever fought, and, you know, that's true, but... Here's the thing, man. Do you feel like you kind of needed an opponent like that on the platform, you know, the biggest card of the year to, you know, almost have a coming out party? Because, like, look, I've known what's up for a long time. John Annex known what's up. You know what's up. But it, it seems like everyone else needed to know what's up. I, I don't know. I, th I thought I had a coming out party when I started Abel Trujillo, honestly. <laughs> I mean, I... I Hit, I was two fights from the main event. I hit the dude with a flying knee and then finished him. I thought, to me, I thought that was my coming out party or when I won five damn fights in a row before that. But um, uh, 
it's just I think what helped is me being vocal finally, me me getting on the mic and, and being vocal and being like, you know, y- y'all need to promote me and stuff needs to get popping. And um, it's been, you know, the results from that have been phenomenal for me. Absolutely. And, you know, it was very publicly noted that, you know, Dana White, he wanted to meet up with you in Vegas. Did that ever take place? Um, yes, sir, it did. And um, a great conversation. And then um, I worked a new, a new deal out with him and Sean Shelby, and I'm very happy right now. I'm really happy to hear that, man. So, I mean, are we expecting, you know, an Evan Dunham, a Gil Melendez, a top 15 guy next? Um, I can't really. I've uh, uh, I've already talked to Sean recently, but I can't really give any details on a date or a, or an opponent yet. Um, but yeah, the the opponent that he had, he had he's going to try to get to fight me is a top fifteen guy. I mean, there's no guarantees that the guy's going to take the fight, but um, uh, yeah, that's pretty much as much, much as I can tell at this at this point. So it's it's in the works. That's that's all we got to know. Yes, sir, hundred percent. Man, that's good to hear. And I mean, when you're in a meeting with the bosses, I mean, could you feel like they they appreciate the work you've been putting in, man? Well, basically, it wasn't even a real meeting, you know. Um, uh, Dana Dana was gone the whole week, the whole weekend of the event. He was there for the first night, and then his son had a quarterback football camp in, in San Diego, so he flew out there. Then he came back on Sunday night for the for the um for the Snoop Dogg concert, and then he was there and he introduced Snoop Dogg, and he went in the back and was um was like in a suite you know by himself with you know with a couple other people and i was texting him and um uh and i was like hey you know can i come back and he's like yeah come back here i'll have security come get you come to this side so i went back there and he was just you know he's real quick about it just like you know you know i don't want you, you know take up too much of your time and then i was he's like so what's up and i was just like i want a new deal and he's like okay i understand and, you know i i you know, pitch my case, and he, you know, he was, you know, he seemed happy about about my, everything I've been doing, and you know, he told me he, he'll work something out, and and then he had Sean text me, and then I talked to Sean Shelby on the phone for a little bit, and we came to a good good deal, and I'm happy. I'm really, uh, and they're happy. As well. I'm really happy to hear that, man. Now, obviously, you know, you were at the athlete retreat. Now, for a lot of guys, they look at it as oh, I get to get wasted on the UFC's dime for a weekend. But I know for you, you probably learned a lot, man, having guys like Kobe Bryant there. Tell me what you learned about the athlete retreat, man. Um, well, it's, I mean, you know what? You know what I learned more than anything from listening to Kobe Bryant and Michael Strahan and them talk about some of the, the principles that they've followed. I, I learned that I'm on the right path and I'm doing everything that I need to do the right way. It's crazy because, I feel like my my mind is so strong because of all the self-help and personal development that I've studied over the years. And I've literally in the last five years read 25 books on personal development, self-help, watched countless seminars, like hundreds of hours of this stuff, right? On YouTube and, and different, you know, uh, audio DVDs, CDs and stuff I have. And um, uh, it's just uh, I, everything they were saying was literally everything that I believe and everything that I've lived by over the last few years since I've really been educating myself in this stuff and it really made me feel good to know that I'm on the right path and I'm doing everything right and I was happy about that for sure that's good to hear now I know you saw Max Holloway dethrone the great Jose Aldo what'd you think about that um it was you know I I feel like it's when someone wants something bad enough, it's harder to deny that person. I feel like it was, it was you know, kind of like Michael Bisping becoming a world champion. You know, I feel like it was Max Holloway's destiny to become a world champion. And I feel like nothing, no matter what, what happened that night, he was going to find a way to win. And, that's, you know, he, he came out and he, he was very impressive. A little bit of a slow start, I guess, because, you, know, you know, Aldo is, you know, the, one of the best ever. He, so he had a little slow start in the first round, but it made it work. Was that an inspiring performance for you at all? Because, you know, you kind of have a similar style to, uh, as Max Holloway for the 155-pound division. Um, Yeah, it's, it's just inspiring in general to see someone, you know, who, who who's so gritty and tough and um, works hard, works so hard as they do and really believes in themselves. And, you know, I'm a real big believer in, you know, destiny and, 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 and self-belief and speaking things into existence. And I feel like, you know, I feel like my destiny is to be a world champion. I feel like he thinks that way too. And I feel like, you know, his results showed it, you know, that, that he, that he wanted that. Honestly, he just wanted it more and he was going to find it. He was, he would not be denied. It didn't matter if he had to go to his home country or not, he was going to find a way to win. And it's hard to beat a will the will of a person who who just refuses to give up like that. 
Very, very true, man. So I hear next up that he might be he might be fighting Frankie Edgar. I think that's a great one. I know who I got. I got the champ. But uh, what do you think about that matchup? Yeah, um, uh, you know it's funny as I was thinking. I was saying, uh, I was saying before the fight, I was like, you know, I know, I know, Frank Yeager is really hoping Hollywood wins because stylistically, he's never going to beat um, Jose Aldo. I don't think, you know, just from a stylistic matchup, that's just a bad matchup. But I, that being said, you know, I think Frank Yeager always has a chance, and he, he's no joke. You know, he, he's legit, true warrior and champion. But I just think Mac, Max is the one, man. I think Max is. Um, right now, you know, his mind is so focused. He's so strong. He's even more confident now coming up that win. I think that, I think he wins that fight for sure. Dude, I haven't gotten a chance to talk to you about your training in Thailand, but clearly, I mean, based on the last two fights, it's been paying dividends. What, what's your assessment of it? I think it's good. You know, Thailand's always good. You know, the, 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 the two times I've been, um, one time I was there for about two, two and a half weeks. And the other time I was there for three, three, three and a half weeks. And it, it was phenomenal training, great training on um, the climate that, you know, I feel like my body just feels better over there. Cause you know, you get, you can get a massage every day. It's, it's really, you know, so cheap and affordable. And then the climate, you can just, I had a real bad, I think I mentioned this before, but I had a real bad hamstring injury for like a year where I couldn't kick without a compression sleeve. And I went over there and after a week, I didn't, I, I haven't used it ever since. And it really, you know, just that cold climate and everything and the training and the atmosphere and, I loved it over there for sure. Technical, you know, you get to work. What's funny is the way I'm winning my fights, you know, really isn't through a lot of the stuff that I've learned over there, to be honest with you. Cause you know, I've, I've worked a lot of knee. Well, I mean, I have landed knees, but I've always been able to land knees, but um, knees and elbows and sweeps and stuff like that. It's, I try to really work stuff that I don't get to work here. Like there's not a lot of, a lot of people here that can teach you a lot of clinch work and, you know, elbow combinations and at a high level, like, like you're going to learn Italian. So that's a lot of stuff I've learned, which, you know, I've never had to use or never got to use at this point. So I, I just have a lot of stuff in my toolkit that I've never had to expose. And I guess people don't know I have it, but they'll be shocked to find out one day. I would assume that you're going to keep doing half your camps there. Um, well, I didn't really do half my camps there. Uh, uh, one, uh, this last time, yeah, this last time I was there for a little bit, I guess it was kind of considered half the camp, but, um, uh, I'm, I'm probably not going to go back until the winter time until the, you know, I, I really hate training in the cold. You know, I've had so many injuries and, um, uh, so, you know, I've had four major surgeries and I just, I don't like training in the cold. My bodies don't feel as good. So, um, uh, if any time, you know, in the wintertime, that's probably when I go back for probably three or four weeks. Um, but it's all, uh, it just depends on the timing, honestly, of my camp and my fights. So, dude, you posted a couple things on your Instagram, uh, you know, of you, uh, you know, doing the snake taming or whatever it's called. And that to me seems more dangerous than taking a punch from Abel Trujillo. You know what, though? I guess it's, it's more, it's better for, um, uh, for social media and everything, but it really is not that dangerous. I mean, uh, I guess I put it, I just put it as training because it, but it's really not like anybody can go up there and pay the, to see the snake show. And then you just have to be brave enough to get in there with them. But the snakes I was playing with weren't real cobras. They were, I mean, they were snakes, you know, and they were big, decent size, but they weren't like vicious poisonous cobras. So, and, um, it, only the, the guy that, that the real guy that's uh, the snake charmer or whatever they call him there, he's the one that plays with the real cobras. And yeah, they sometimes they do get bit and, you know, have to go to the hospital and stuff. But um, the snakes I was playing with, I'm not even sure if they're poisonous or not. I mean, I know they'll bite you, but I'm not sure if they're poisonous or not. No, it's it's crazy, though, because it, it must work on your reaction time, but it, it, it's dangerous. It's serious. It's not a joke. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, I mean, well, for with the guy that does it, oh, he he's crazy. Like, I've never seen nothing like it in my life, the way that guy moved his head, and, 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 and like, he would put his head right there in front of him, and he would even uh, kiss the snakes on the mouth and stuff, like, he's, like, crazy with it, but, yeah, it, it was definitely, it was fun to sit there and try to move your hand in time, and uh, obviously I didn't get too close, because I wasn't that dumb, but <laughs> it was definitely fun. All right, well, James, you know, obviously I can't let you go without a couple fight predictions, so... Robert Whitaker's taking on Yoel Romero. I mean, I think that's the best matchup of the year. Two, I mean, you could consider both of them to be the number one guy at middleweight. Who do you give the edge to, man? 
Um, you know, it's it's hard. I know you're a huge Whitaker guy, and I, I like Whitaker too. I'm, you know, I'm cool with him. I've hung out with him a few times. You know, super cool, good guy. But it's hard to bet against Yoel, man. Yoel's a monster. It's hard to bet. I mean, it's hard to bet against. I mean, I would, I would probably give Yoel a chance to beat Cormier as well. I mean, it's, it's hard to beat to bet against Yoel. Man, Yoel has that affinity for finishing fights in the third round. I don't know what it is, man, but he's unreal. But you saw that performance Whitaker put on Jacare. No one's ever done Jacare like that. For sure, for sure. Um, you know, Whitaker's impressive, and, and you know he's another one similar to Holloway. You know, and, and my, myself, who really, honestly, God in his heart, believes in himself, and and it's paying off for him. And you know, obviously, hard work too. But tons of guys work hard, but they're they're not mentally right. You know, there's tons of guys out here that, that train hard, but they they ain't got it in the mind. And I believe Whitaker definitely is one of those guys that does have it. So of course, he's going to be hard to beat. But if I if I had to bet my money, I, I would I would go with with Yoel. And John Jones and DC are rematching. Now, James, is this simply a case where Jones has DC's number, or do you think DC can make the proper adjustments to hand John Jones his first ever legitimate defeat? I, man, I, I, I'm a John Jones, you know, diehard fan. In my mind, like, John Jones is the greatest fighter of all time. Um, I mean, obviously, Anderson Silva is my hero. But, I mean, I just don't think – I don't. I think John – I mean, no disrespect to DC, but I think John Jones could could – Set, could set out for two years and he would still come back and find a way to win that fight. I just think stylistically, John Jones is a nightmare for him and for really anybody, but definitely for him, I think John Jones, you know, wins that fight 100%. Well, James, let the fans know what they can expect from you next, man, because, I mean, obviously we want to see big things. I'm sure big things are coming. Let them know what's up. Um, Yeah, just, just I guess, keep everybody, keep, please follow me on my social medias. I'm uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, is, it's all the same, James Vic MMA, and, um, you know, I'll be posting a bunch of stuff, and um, I got, you know, I should be, I'm supposed to be going to the fights June 25th in Oklahoma City, to, to what uh, UFC's uh, bringing me out there to watch those fights, and then um, also I should be, do, I'm, I'm going to be doing the Fan Expo as well. So the or the international fight week and all that. So I'll be out there in Vegas for the for the three or four days as well. And then I'm um, looking to fight potentially sometime in August. So I guess just stay tuned, everyone. And I appreciate the support. James Vic, thanks for the time on half the battle as always, brother. And uh, best of luck in the next step, my man. Yes, sir. All right, thank you, man. Joining me now is flyweight prospect Diego Bautista. Diego, welcome to half the battle. Thank you, Daniel. It's good to be here. So you got that Mexican heart and that spirit, but you're also very calculated. Tell me about your mindset as a martial artist. I'm a mindset. Um, I definitely tried to be smart. I never want to brawl. My my plan is to always be, this is my goal when I fight. My my goal is always to win, number one. Uh, Being entertaining and taking little damage and being as dominant as possible. And if, if a guy's a striker, then I'm going to take him down. If a guy's a, a, a jiu-jitsu guy, I'm going to keep it standing. I'm not going to let my ego get in the way. Who are some of your favorite fighters, man? Do you take a lot of influence from maybe a guy like GSB or Demetrius Johnson? The reason I ask that is because that's their approach as well. You know what? I actually, currently right now, my dad actually bought me a, a book from George St. Pierre, and I'm reading George St. Pierre. I'm reading that book, and I, I used to not like George St. Pierre. I used to think he was really boring, just take the guy down and just lay and pray. But after, read, after reading this book, he, he really opened my mind up, and um, I definitely look up to him now, as well as Conor McGregor. Uh, I like how he fights, and I like his personality. I, I love uh, how he handles the business part of, of MMA. And also... Uh, Jose Aldo, who recently just fought, Jose Aldo, who, who just fought, even though he lost, I remember when I first saw him fight against Mark Hominick, his boxing, me and my mom were watching that fight, and he was, she was just saying, man, look how he weaves, it's so, he's so good, and ever since then, I've always tried to work on my, my weaving and my boxing, but uh, obviously at first, it's different from just watching and doing it and actually getting the training, which is now what I'm starting to do, starting to get. Speaking of Jose Aldo, I mean, could you believe what Max Holloway did to him last night? 
Yeah, I had a feeling Max Holloway was going to win. Uh, Jose Aldo hasn't looked the same since the the Conor McGregor knockout. When you take that kind of a, a knockout like that, it definitely um, knocks some years off your fight career. And that's something that I will always avoid at all costs to make sure that doesn't happen to me because I see what it happened to Jose Aldo. Uh, he, he didn't. He didn't look that good against Frankie Edgar in the rematch. And uh, but surprisingly, though, I thought he was, he won round one and two against Max Holloway, but then he uh, uh, got got the TKO, lost by TKO in the third round. Man, it seemed like a smart strategy on Holloway's part because you know he historically is a slow starter, and Aldo he comes out hard those first three rounds, and it almost seemed like Holloway was taking his time, waiting for Aldo to fade a little bit, and then he just went out there and put it on him. Yeah, he did. I don't know if that's a smart strategy to be honest. Yeah, take the shot to the face. Um, that that strategy I feel like will last you. If you're young, it will, can last you a good amount of years, but once you get older, all that damage. Um, will start taking a toll, and you will be able. To, your chain will won't be able to handle as many strong punches, or power shots, and uh, you will never. I, I, let me tell you this: you will never see me do that strategy. Yeah, no, it's a it's a great point, man. Because you know, there's only so many times that you can take those kind of shots. But right now, it's working out. But eventually, you know, father time is gonna catch up, like it does with every fighter. But Diego, how much does it mean to you to be a proud Mexican warrior? But I, I really, I really am proud to, to to represent Mexico. Even though I was born, in, I was born in Georgia, but both, both my parents came from Mexico. They came here illegally, across uh, the border. And my mom tells me stories all the time, especially when I was younger, how hard life in Mexico was for her. And it just makes me realize, like, wow, I I am really lucky that I'm here in in, in America with all these opportunities. And I see that that life she had in Mexico really, it makes her work harder, I feel like. It gives her the work ethic that she has. I believe she's the hardest working person that I know. And it ha- I, have, I have observed and it has rubbed off of me, on me. And I try to work hard in, in training, hard in, in the practice room, hard even in life, in the workforce as a person, because I'm because I could be, I could be ungrateful. You know, she made the ultimate sacrifice coming here, and I want—I just want to—that's my way of saying thank you to her, or at least I try to. How do you balance everything, man? Because obviously you have such a strong work ethic, but look, you're—you're you're a fighter. You're trying to go pro. You have a full-time job. You're a student. How do you balance all these things, man? Well, you know what? I recent I am um, I'm a part-time worker now. Um I'm working 20 hours. I get, I make $9 an hour. So, I'm not making too much money. Uh I recently I recently uh got a new training schedule, is what I say. I used to, you know, just train you know, wake up at 7 in the morning, work out, eight, do some MMA, 10 to 11 and jujitsu and then train that once at night. I completely changed that around after my loss recently in, in Florida. Um, and I said, you know what? I want to be the best. And what I'm doing right now is obviously not working. So I, I, today, I, let me give you an example. Today, I woke up at four in the morning to just to train, just to work out. And after that, I went to work from six in the morning until 11. Then after that, I went to Knuckle Up, which is my, one of my teams that I fight at. I trained there for about an hour, did some hard sparring there, and then afterwards took a two-hour break, took a nap, because obviously I was exhausted, tired, sleepy from not getting any, from waking up at four in the morning. And I came to uh, my, where my parents own a gym called Dojo, and I did some jiu-jitsu training and conditioning and agility training with two other guys that I know. And we trained for two hours there. And... Uh, now I'm here talking to you, so I'm constantly working. Uh, I feel I feel like I'm going to outwork every single person, every opponent that I will ever have, and that's my goal. So always outwork them. And uh, actually I actually got that from Mayweather, from Floyd Mayweather. He's, I, I've been looking at his videos and seeing that he he works up at three in the morning, two works out at four or five, 
multiple hours. And I said, you know what? If that's what it takes to be a champion, so be it. That's what I will do. So that's what I've been doing now. That's the sign of a future world champion. Now, I've said for a long time, because obviously I've known you for a while, that you're the Robert Whitaker of the flyweight division. And what I mean by that is, you know, you bounce around like a karate guy, but you got the hands of a boxer, but you also have a wrestling background. So tell me about how you, you know, incorporate all those styles of martial arts into the one dynamic style that is Diego Bautista. Uh, uh, thank you for saying the, the Robert Whitaker that I fight like him. Um, but I started with karate when I was uh, either five or six around that time uh, with my dad at the dojo. Uh, he really, uh, he made karate fun, but man, I, I did not like it. For some reason, like he, he would make it fun. When I was here, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm having fun. But when, before coming and then after leaving the dojo, I was like, all right, I don't want to do karate anymore. And that was like, I was like that until I was 10. So from like 5 to 10, I was like, man, I hate karate. <laughs> and um, then at 11, my dad started teaching jiu-jitsu at the dojo. And, man, let me tell you, I was the worst at jiu-jitsu. I got beat by the girls. I was... I was like the worst one. Everybody was better than me. I don't know if it was because I was the smallest or what, but I was just bad. And I hated jujitsu. And then when I was 13, though, I started getting little muscles, I guess. The testosterone started building in. I started getting good at jujitsu. And I was like, you know what? I, like, I love jujitsu now. And, uh, I did a lot of tournaments in jujitsu. Traveled a lot all over the southeast, Florida, Tennessee, the Carolinas, all over Georgia, Alabama. Competed in the jujitsu tournaments. I had a mixed results, but I just loved it because, you know, win, lose, win, lose. And then um, once I, then I, once I uh, entered high school, I did high school wrestling. And once again, I sucked. I was, I, was really bad. I was really bad as a ninth grader. I was so bad that I lost to a girl in wrestling. And um, it was crazy because I thought I was really good. Everybody was calling me the future because I had jiu-jitsu as a background. And all my teammates, the, the seniors... The juniors are like, man, they would say, Batista, you're the future, man. They would see how hard I work. But I don't know. I, I, I lost to a girl. My record was nine wins with 16 losses. And uh, I was like, man, I, I think I have to quit wrestling. I'm, not, I'm just not that good. I'd always, the only reason why I even joined wrestling was for MMA, to be honest. I was like, I don't, don't want to do wrestling. I don't, I don't even love wrestling. I'm just doing it for MMA because some of the best fighters have wrestling. But then I just stuck with it. Uh, and eventually, I got, I got better, but I, not that good. You know, as, a, as a, my last year, after four years of high school wrestling, I barely made it to the state championship tournament as the last seed, the, the eighth seed going against the number one seed. And, um, you know, my mindset just completely changed for that tournament. Uh, for some reason, that was my whole goal as a ninth grade, was to make it to the state championships and become the state champion. Uh you know, realizing, like, man, I'm just not good enough. But then the state tournament, when I realized I was going against against the guy who was supposed to win it all, my mindset just changed. I said, you know what, this, is, this has been my goal for four years. I can If I beat this guy, everybody else will be easier, and I, my dream of becoming a state champion will happen. And uh, I ended up losing to him by two points, but it just changed my mindset because I felt like that was the first time I ever believed in myself, really believed in myself. Um. And then right after high school, I had my first MMA fight. Um, and um, that's, uh, yeah, that's how I got my style. But uh, my boxing, though, recently, I just started working with a pure boxing coach, Jesus uh, Portilla. Um, started with last year, to be honest. I started my boxing with him last year. And I feel like I have improved with my hands, leaps and bounds. So I have wrestling, jiu-jitsu, karate, and now boxing. So I actually kind of get frustrated when people say I'm just, I'm just a wrestler. I'm just a karate guy. I'm like, no. In my mind, I'm everything. I'm the complete fighter. Do you take any satisfaction out of the fact that all your success and accomplishments is strictly due to hard work? And the reason I ask that is because, you know, you haven't been handed anything. You had to work and take everything that you have here today. You know, I, 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 am, I am very proud. You know, when I look back and I think to myself, I go back to my high school, to my two former high schools that I wrestled at. You know, I helped them out with wrestling. And I always tell them, you were better than me when I was in, in your grade. You know, as, a, as someone's a ninth grader, I said, you were better than me 
than I was when I was a ninth grader. So you know what that means? You can be better than me uh, once you're done with as a senior or once, you, once you're done with high school. You could you can place. I never placed in the state championship. You can place. You can be the state champion. You know, I, I tell them that. Um, uh, but I'm I am proud that my work ethic, that working hard, everything that I've earned has been through the work ethic, through hard work. Um, but I'm not satisfied yet. I, I do have two losses on my record, and those two losses they burn. You know, it makes me want to work harder. And um, but there's gonna be eventually in the future I'm gonna go on a, on a win streak, and I'm gonna say I'm gonna say look back. I was I lost my first fight, won two fights in a row, lost my next fight, two and two. Whoever knew that this two and two guy would have been who he is now? And that's gonna that's a, that's gonna be a when I can say that, that's going to be, I'm going to be very satisfied. Now, I know you're a guy that visualizes. I know you're a guy that thinks a lot. When you look at the top level of the flyweight division, you know, I'm talking about guys like Demetrius Johnson, guys like Ray Borg. I mean, how far away do you think you are from guys like that? Uh, I have, I have a, I'm, a, I'm also, I'm, a, I'm also a very honest person. I have a long way to go, you know, that level well, you know, now that I'm training all the time, constantly waking up at three just to go train, not going to bed until ten, eleven o'clock, getting losing sleep over this, uh, losing, not hanging out with friends, not going to the club, just, just, I'm just focusing on training. If I keep this up, I believe three, four years I'll be up there. Well, it all starts with your next fight, and it's your first headlining fight. You're fighting for the title. I mean, you must be pretty stoked, right? I am actually. I talked to the uh, promoter yesterday, but I'm sorry, the matchmaker yesterday. He told me that they found a female uh, main event. They the the place that's hosting the fight. They wanted. They really wanted a female main event. So they they uh, they said, all right, we'll we'll find a female main event. So now me and my opponent, whose name is Jacob Clemens, we're now the co-main event. And uh, I'm extremely excited though to fight for my first Emmy belt. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's the first fight of the night or the last fight of the night. You're still going to get locked into a steel cage with another grown man. All the bragging rights. Everyone's going to be watching. And now there's a title on the line. Yes, for sure. Like, I, can't, I cannot wait to, to showcase my new skills, my new, my new training schedule, my new work ethic that has been put into this fight. Uh, like, everything changed just for this fight. I've added different things. That I didn't do before to last fight. So I'm always something that I when, that I read from George Saint Pierre in his book was that he's com- always trying to innovate, innovating his training. And I said, you know what? I need to open my mind, and I need to do that. So I added gymnastics. I added swimming. I added uh, calisthenics. I go to the park and move my own body weight. You know. Um, so I added those things, and I've added four mile runs. I added bike riding to my workout. Do you feel like that's paying dividends? And the reason I ask, man, you know, obviously I was at your last fight and it's funny because you go out there, you dominate the guy for the entire, you know, the duration of, of the fight. And then afterwards on your Facebook, you're all like, oh, I'm sorry if that was laying prey. And to me, look, not only am I a fan of this sport, but as a betting man, when I look to bet on someone, I want guys that fight the way you fought, you know, smart, no unnecessary risks, do whatever it takes to win. So, uh, I mean, were those some of the things that you uh, learned from your last loss and that you applied going forward? My last loss, I, I went down to Florida. And uh, actually, none of my coaches, none of my family were able to go to Florida. You know, everybody's working, so no hard feelings there. And I was expecting, I was like, all right, I don't care if I'm, I'm going to be alone, you know. This is, uh, I'm an amateur. This is a great experience to fight out of state. Uh, I'm the enemy. He's the hometown favorite. This is, this is just great. This is great for my career. But um, when I had a, actually had Juan Puerto, though, a Georgia MMA fighter, or he was, now he's down in Florida. Uh, he was there cornering one of his teammates, and then I got lucky. He started cornering me. But uh, that whole experience and going down to Florida, training hard, and then losing, and not just losing, but being embarrassed. First round under one minute, submitted with a choke. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. 
at first I was really, I was really down. I lost motivation. I lost my, my drive to train, to train hard. I was like, you know what, man, I got to fight with Sean Gallagher. He's tall. He's got heavy hands. In uh, in the Florida fight, I actually got knocked out. Then I woke back up, and he got me with the choke. I was like, Sean can do that to me, you know. I, I was I was like, I don't know if I want to keep doing this, you know, or or I don't know what, what what's the plan. But then my this is my dream. Like it, it slowly brought me back. So I was like thinking like that for about five days, and then I was like, you know what? I love this. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And then I said. Let's go. Let's try it again. I know Sean Gallagher has got heavy hands. Like I said, he's he, he knocked out one opponent. He he dropped another opponent. Uh, uh, dangerous. These were both dangerous guys, and I'm like, and they were both bigger than me. And I'm smaller than both of them. And I was like, he could easily do that one uppercut, and I'm out. And I said, so I had to be smart. I was like, I I, hit, I had to take him down, and I couldn't let him back up. That's for sure. So uh, I trained hard for that. I was that was the game plan. Man, it was beautiful execution of that game plan. And, you know, back to my earlier question, I mean, do you feel like the work you've been putting in, the extracurricular stuff you've been doing, the gymnastics, you know, waking up at 3 a.m., do you feel like that's what ultimately led to such a dominant victory that night? Uh, well, actually, the this new workout routine, this new schedule, I just I started for this Jacob Clements fight. Immediately after the Sean Gallagher fight, took a week off, and then I started doing this. Before the Sean Gallagher fight, I was still trying hard, um, but it, it was definitely not as what I'm doing right now. You know, I'm, I'm running on three, four, or five hours of sleep. Uh, I'm not, I'm not always constantly, you know, training like a, like I, like I am now. But I still did work hard in the gym. I still listened to the coaches as best I could, uh, and uh, try to innovate. You know, just I always would study his fights, his videos. I would always watch it every night. Every day before I went to bed, I would watch it. And um, that's what I'm also doing now with the Jacob Clemens fight. Every night before I go to bed, I watch this fight. And even when I'm eating lunch, I watch his fights. I want to be like, I want to be like every normal person. I want to watch a Netflix show, but I choose to watch his fights. I want to know him better than he knows himself. Yes, sir. Now, tell me a little bit about your future goals, Diego. Uh, future goals. My my goals have recently changed. I used to always want to put on an entertaining fight, um, but now I don't, I can care less about entertaining fight. I want to dominate a fight. I don't I don't want there to be to be close close to entertaining. I just want it to be dominant, like not even close. Like there's no without a doubt I win fights. That's for my next fight against Jacob Clemens. I will win every single round, maybe a 10-8 round. Um, and after I finish him, go on to the next one, win. I, I want to win the NFC title at 135. I want to win the Valor title at 125. I also want to win it at 135. And down in Florida, the organization I fought for is Extreme Fighting Nation. I want to I want to win the 125 belt there. So once I I want to do that's those are my um what do you, what do you call it the uh, uh, the the near goals or the short term goals. Uh, the goal, short term goals. There we go. Those are my short term goals. Then I want my goal is to turn pro by next year, next year January. I can start making money. I'm tired of being broke. You know, your typical co broke college student. And um, I want to win the the Georgia title here, the NFC, the flyweight belt and the bantamweight belt. I know a lot of people are afraid to move up and wait, fight bigger guys, but. I'm not. I'm not afraid. I've always been the smaller guy, so I, I believe I could. I can do 125 and 135. Then I want to fight all over the United States, all over the world. You know, not just with one. That's not not just with NFC, um, the the biggest uh, organization in Georgia. I want to fight all over, and then get the call to the UFC and win the flyweight belt, then move up and win the bantamweight belt. And to be honest, I've been boxing a lot with Jesus. And I'm actually doing a boxing tournament in August. And I can tell you, I, I love boxing as much as I love MMA. Who knows? Once I win two belts in the UFC, I might just stop MMA and go to the boxing world and win a belt there. Multiple belt belts in the boxing world. 
Big goals, my friend. Now for the time being, do you have a message for the NFC flyweight and bantamweight divisions, man? And Valor as well? Uh, yes. They're... I want to fight all of them. Well, actually, not all of them. I want to fight the toughest competition, the toughest guys. If you're not on my team, you're, you're my enemy. I don't want to train with you. I don't want to be friends with you. I want to fight you. A after I win, then we can be friends. Uh, especially in Valor. That's, that's Tennessee, or usually they're in Tennessee. I, I can care less about them. I can care less what they what they think what they think of me, what they what they say about me. I just want to fight, and I want to win belts, and I want to get uh, my name out there, and the, they will know my name. Every I, I'm one of the most feared. I believe one of the most feared uh, competitors in the flyweight and bantamweight division in Georgia, and I plan to be the most feared competitor in the world. Now, Diego, you know I can't let you go without a fight prediction, man. So I got to know your opinion on this one, man. John Jones is taking on Daniel Cormier. It's the rematch. I mean, we saw what happened the first time, but as you know, every fight is different, man. Do you think that this is a case where Jones simply has DC's number, or do you think that DC can make – the proper adjustments and hand John Jones his first legitimate defeat. Um, you know, I, I think John Jones is just better than Daniel Cormier. Um, Daniel Cormier does work hard; he does train hard, but so does John Jones. And I believe John Jones is just better. I believe he's also the greatest fighter currently. He's the greatest fighter, in my opinion, better than George St. Pierre, better than Anderson Silva better than any other fighter. So DC is just simply just the second best guy. Well, Diego, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. It's been an absolute pleasure, my man. Let the audience know where they can follow you on social media and anything else you want to tell the fans. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, you can, uh, you can add me on uh, Facebook at Diego Bautista. And you can also add me on Snapchat. I like to be on Snapchat a lot. Just have fun on Snapchat. UFC Diego, D-I-E-G-O. How you spell Diego? Awesome. Well, Diego, thanks again for the time. And uh, good luck in the next step, man. Thank you, Daniel. There you have it, folks. Platinum Mike Perry, James the Texecutioner Vic, and Diego Bautista. Thank you so much for checking out this very special edition of Half the Battle. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Best Fight Picks. Go to bestfightpicks.com for the plays. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. Shaq and I will be back later this week to break down UFC Auckland, Derek the Black Beast Lewis versus Mark Hunt. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.